Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Greetings, Webcology listeners. The ecosystem of the web marketing world is always changing. Technology, and more importantly, radio is evolving. Introducing the next evolution of radio technology for web marketers, the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Listen live, download new shows daily, and stay connected through our social media network. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play now. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 13th of February, 2014. And last I saw, Canada was beating Norway 3-1. to one. Um, Just want to get the important stuff out of the way. Dave, Dave can you <laughs> see the game from where you're sitting? I, I can't, no. Okay, neither can I. It's in the other room. Like, oh, ten more minutes before work begins at my shop again. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> there's, there's a hockey game on, so everything has to stop dead because someone's paying attention anyway, right? <laughs> okay, so anyway, I mean, it's uh, true. It is. It is. Okay, so this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO. You listen to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 13th of February, 2014, and to repeat, Canada is beating Norway 3 to 1, so all is right in the world. Um, weird week in tech. Uh, we don't have a guest on the show today, but we have a lot to talk about. It's been a really techy week. In the search world. Yep. I find a lot of the stories that we researched uh, for this week have to do with um, web spam, with uh, you know how to get your page crawled properly. Um, I think we should push that stuff to towards the, the back of the show. There's a couple more less techie things I, I wouldn't mind talking about uh, to kick the show off. Because um, I, I, I know talking about like uh, faceted navigation websites or infinite scroll websites, that could take a little while. <laughs> something that I think we can deal with pretty quickly 
but it's got it, it, a huge impact on our listening audience. Comcast is making a play for Time Warner's uh, cable unit. Yep. Now, Comcast is currently the largest cable and internet distributor in the United States. It's trying to purchase Time Warner, which is, I think, the third or fourth largest. Describing the deal will be a friendly stock-for-stock transaction. Comcast will acquire 100% of Time Warner's cable uh, cables, 240, 284 uh, million outstanding shares. It's worth about uh, 45.2 billion in stock value. So again, no money's changing hands, but if you're a shareholder, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to see the value of your shares uh, increase, and probably the number of your shares increase because the deal is going to leave uh, Time Warner Cable shareholders owning about 23 percent of Comcast's common stock. Huge deal. Huge. Now, uh, oh, sorry. You're you're going to have opinions on this, my little net neutrality friend. <laughs> I do have opinions, but before before I get to them, one thing I, I wanted to I wanted to um uh, 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 note. There's not a, there's no competitive advantage in unique areas being gained by Comcast because. The two, the two companies currently do not compete in the same areas. They don't operate in the same zip codes, according to uh, Comcast's uh, according to Comcast's uh, CEO. So it's not like one competitor is knocking another competitor out of a market that they are competing in together. Right. To avoid. Direct competition, Comcast is going to shed about three million Time Warner subscribers when they when they when they pick up the, the the company. Those subscribers will have to find another cable provider, but it will acquire approximately eight million subscribers. So, Comcast wins, you know, five million more subscribers. Or I'm sorry, uh, is going to pick up eleven million subscribers. It's going to shed three million of them, come out ahead of eight million more leaving it with about 30% of market share for pay television and internet in the United States. Ah, uh, wow. I don't know if I see a problem here or not. The big problem I see is, is, is a piece of Time Warner is being, is being passed around like a doobie again. <laughs> but beyond that, I honestly don't... Um, I mean, I have problems with... I may have problems with the way Comcast conducts its business over the internet... But this this deal is separate from that. I'm you know I, I might have had problems with Waytime Warner conducted its business over the internet as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I I see this as a, as a natural consolidation, and we know that Time Warner needs to um, we need Time Warner needs to consolidate itself as a publishing business. I can see why it's giving up its uh, its cable subscribers. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Um, I think we see eye to eye here. Um, like inherently, um, I see potential issues on the horizon Certainly. Um, coming in. And, and my big problem, and I'm sure it is yours as well, or, or the big thing where it's like, okay, I've got to watch this and, and I've got to see how this plays out, um, is the growth there in, in now having one that is substantially more powerful. 
um, than the others. You could argue, and, and it would be a fair point, and I think no reason to, to block the acquisition or anything like that, because as you call it, is you're not actually reducing competition in any one area. Nope. Right? Fair enough. But with size, you know, the, the Walmart philosophy to, uh, to economics here, with size comes the ability, comes muscle, essentially. That is true. Um, and so as they're competing in these markets, does their increased size now give them the capacity to go and, and essentially drive out smaller ones just by the budgets of scale? Um, and Sorry? Oh, I'm going to say that's a possibility, but I'm from the sort of bird's eye view we take of stuff. I'm not sure that that's you know has anything to do with internet policy or um, uh, 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 there might be a few million subscribers here or there who in fact lose a level of service, or they might in some markets be able to muscle out a smaller uh, a smaller um, competing business. But I mean that's I don't know I just I have a hard time opposing this kind of deal because it's just the mechanics machinations of a system I believe in. Indeed, you know, indeed. I don't, I don't see it harming people. No, you know? and I mean, I, I think we see completely eye to eye here, which is, you know, for, for regular listeners will know that. That's a little <laughs> odd. It's a little awkward. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, there is nothing. This is the way our market works. Um, and, and it's a good and solid market. Like, this is a good system we work in here. I have no objection to this. I just have a, okay, and we need to be aware of what this could mean so that as a, as a group, let's call us people who work on the internet and all of their friends and family, um, need to watch and, and just make sure that everything does stay the way it is supposed to, that this is an acquisition, that they're rolled in, um, and that they don't then turn around and start to go, okay, well, we're dropping it to, you know, just zero, right, we're going to make zero profit, just come in and start to drive out other competitors now that they've got a more... Um, you know, global from from a you know from from the standpoint of their market share here. Now that they basically cover everything, that puts them in a different spot. When they're competing for specific markets against Time Warner, they have less flexibility. But if you have somebody everywhere already, you're no longer having to compete. Or, or now you can compete in all markets. You could turn around and go, fine. We're just going to create absolutely zero dollars in revenue for the next two years, right? <laughs> well, okay, and happens. you're just going to completely destroy everybody else. Now we'd look in retrospect and go, okay, maybe the antitrust folks should have been taking a look at that. <laughs> so, well, and here's the thing. I mean, that happens. But if if the antitrust folks were to come in at the onset of any large large scale deal and say we have objections based on A, B, C, and D, um, then I, I, I can think of so many mergers that would just get scuttled from the get-go. So they, got, yeah. so, so they have to you know, exercise good corporate behavior after this purchase. Um, right. But you know what? It's up to, it is up to the general public. And I would suggest, for, for what it's worth, it's up to people who live and work on the Internet to protect their environment. Indeed, indeed, and I, I think on that we're in we're in complete agreement. Our, the way you and I tend to go about it mm -hmm. uh, may vary a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, that's exactly what it's going to boil down to: is we need to be um, the gatekeepers of this and sort of watch and make sure that everything does go proper. That they, you know, that we bring up issues if they do start to go, um, you know, anti competition on it and starting to drive out people by taking the losses that they can afford to take on a global standpoint. Um, you know, just to drive out competitors so they can jack up prices later. Um, but, you know, 
in this deal, looking at it, I think you and I are, are totally in agreement. I think there's actually some potential benefits for people in a, in a more consolidated um, environment. You know, yes, we can nitpick on both of them if we feel like it, but just as a, as a global policy, yeah, having a unified environment does provide um, you know, some, some significant advantages and, and you know, the, the sort of scale of things. So uh, I think it may be a win. You know something that the story does uh, does point out to me? Uh, a big failure? And this, this is a failure from the past, but a, a failure nevertheless. Okay, what's you that? Remember, you remember that all the way back, when I'm talking, I'm talking like 14 years ago, Whoa. back to the year 2000, when Upstart AOL purchased Time Warner for what was then, <laughs> for what was then a mind-blowing amount, $60 billion dollars, and that's that purchase made the financial world look at the at the at the tech world and go, what the heck? Oh, no. And that caused what was called the dot com bomb, the uh, the the great mini recession that took place uh, between April uh, 2000 and October 2000 in the in the tech industry. Right. Um, the big the big builder of the dot-com crash was was the concept of convergence. Well, one of the big builders, anyway. The other was the, the, the Y2K um, debacle. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we invested a whole bunch of money in before the, the, the turn of the century thinking everything was going to crash. It didn't crash, but we still invested all that money, and that was money neutral. There was no growth after that. Anyway, um, uh, 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 the big thing was convergence, the idea that um, media and entertainment companies would also own the means of, distribu- of distributing their, their products. So it seemed really natural for Time Warner, back at the time, that was the largest publishing house in the world, to be purchased by AOL, which at the time was the largest internet service provider in the world. Yep. And the idea was that you know um, AOL, through its new publishing division, Time Warner, would bring the best content ever to, uh, to its subscribers' um, inboxes, to, uh, to its subscribers' monitors. Yep. We saw the same sort of thing happen in Canada, um, global, through the CanWest network, tried to, uh, tried to leverage convergence. We see Rogers Cable trying to do it in uh, Canada now. Perhaps Comcast is. I don't know. But the very first pioneer of convergence... Somewhat a group that risked so much it caused a recession in the industry. They just gave up the ghost. Yep. That's yeah, sort of end of an era, isn't it? Yeah. And so I, I found it quite interesting when I when that came across my news sticker this morning. Yeah, you know what? It's funny, and, and you know, a, a lot of our listeners may not be as old as we are, so they may not even remember. Lucky, <laughs> lucky them. Eh? <laughs> the, the AOL Time Warner aspect of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's funny as soon as, uh, like you would, you would sent that through before the show, just as like a, you know, like we do as, as like a talking point on something really interesting you'd found. And that was the first thing I thought, I'm like, wow, okay, there we go. That's over. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay. We should jump along. It's, uh, it's almost quarter after the hour. Um, Microsoft was put in a weird position this week. It's search engine Bing was accused of censoring Chinese language search results when the search was, even if the search was conducted outside of the nation state of China. 
research carried out by a Chinese freedom organization called greatfire.org, uh, demonstrated how a search in Chinese language for, for the term Dalai Lama produced censored, heavily censored results on a search conducted from within the United States. That happened last week. People freaked out. What the heck are you doing, Bing? Why are you censoring Chinese language search results outside of China? Is this a signal? Is this something we should pay attention to? So Bing was put in the position to have to deny censoring search results. Uh, Senior Director Stephen Wheats said, and I'm I'm going to be quoting from Mr. Wheats uh, in, in part here, Bing does not apply China's legal requirement to searches conducted outside of China. What happened was due to an error in our system. We triggered an incorrect, we triggered an incorrect results removal notification for some searches noted in the report, but the results themselves are and were unaltered outside of China. So there you go. Um, Bing says it didn't. Great fire. However, greatfire.org, the anti-censorship of the Chinese Freedom of Speech Organization, refutes the claims, saying the searches had been altered. It really did see censored search results. Um, And it received a notice due to legal obligations imposed by the Chinese law and regulations. We have removed search results for these terms. And I'm afraid that's where it's left. That's where it is right now. So what do you think? You 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 know... I, I, when I first heard this story, uh, went the, the, the same route that their answer happened to be, in, and I've quoted him a few times, your friend of mine, Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I do, I, I do believe them on this one. I can't see them doing it purposefully. Um, but I do know, as he would say, as, as Jeremiah would say, it's really hard to build a search engine. Uh, and this is one of those cases where I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him at their word here because I do believe they're telling the truth and that just... This is a complicated, complicated system, and something went wrong. Glad it got addressed. That needs to be looked at permanently, and this can never happen again. But that these little things might accidentally be triggered. You know, when you tweak something at Y and point B kind of goes screwy, and you've got, like, hundreds upon hundreds of different A, Bs, and Cs coming in there. Mm -hmm. Um you know, can I see something like this happening where by accident some sort of language trigger was set a, uh, a bit wrong or something like that? C- can I see that happening by accident in, in a system as complex as this? You know what? I've made mistakes. I work in a lot, you know, in, in areas a lot less complex than what they're dealing with. <laughs> you know, we all have. Um, so I'm going to take them at their word here. Um, but. It's definitely one of those cases where you go, it is great that we have organizations out there whose sole duty and, and sole purpose is finding things like this uh, and, and that they're vigilant. I mean, the, you know, this could have just gone indefinitely, right? And, you know, with, with this censorship, yes, it was an accident, or at least I believe it was, uh, and, and I'm going to agree with Bing here, um, but I think it, it definitely... Um, you know, reinforces the need for organizations like that to come forward and, and make sure that uh, the people are held accountable and that issues like this are remedied as quickly as possible. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with you in the in the charitable view where yeah, this was a mistake. They wouldn't have meant it to happen. I can't imagine Microsoft or Google or any of the majors censoring outside of the jurisdiction in which they have to censor. 
simply because somebody's going to call them on it and they're going to look stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you said, if nothing looks, else, that's the thing. And there's one, if there's one thing really smart people hate, it's looking stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is hard to build a search engine and it's something that, you know, listeners and, uh, and critics should be, should be reminded of. These things happen lifetime. If there's a problem and it's happening on, it's not happening on your test server, it's happening on your live server. <laughs> and when that happens, you, you do the most expedient thing to deal with it immediately, and then you patch the hole so that, you know, user experience isn't interrupted, so that, you know, users don't perceive a problem, even though you, the technician, know it's there. Right. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you, you patch it, and then you solve in the, or you, you, yeah, you patch it, and then you solve in the background. And that may well be what happened. Oh, I, I believe that. I mean, if nothing else, we know the constant battle for fractions of percents that Google and Bing are in. And, and yeah, you know, we'll include Yahoo, too, because, hey, they're building a search engine. But um, oh, wait, really? <laughs> you think they got it in them? We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, and we're dealing with, um, well, there's about 3.3 billion people of Chinese descent inside the United States, a 37% growth over a decade ago. Um, you know, I mean... <clears throat> that's absolutely monstrous. You're fighting for fractions of percent. You want to tick off um, essentially uh, you know, more than 1% of the population in one go when you're fighting over fractions of percents? Probably not. <laughs> oh, the dozens of GOP jokes there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, on that, we have to take a break just to keep me to hold my tongue. Hey, before we do, you want to hear something swell? I would love to hear something swell. Well, you can totally hear it if you're listening on an iOS device because Webmaster Radio, Webcology, all of our shows on the network are now being distributed through the Swell Podcast Network made for people who, uh, who again, use uh, uh, Apple devices, iOS devices. You can now listen to us on Swell. We think that's Swell. I can't think of any way to make fun of that word more than I'm already going to. So on that... <laughs> On behalf of Dave Davies from Beatsock SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. We have two more segments coming up, but before those two more segments, and this is totally swell, you get to hear these commercials on swell. Back Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Why do over 15,000 small businesses love working with Infusionsoft? Because we believe in people and their dreams. We empower entrepreneurs and our groundbreaking tools help small businesses grow and thrive. We listen. We care. We serve our customers and we do what we say we'll do. We're always trying to find new ways to innovate and to improve our all-in-one sales and marketing platform. Most of all, from email to e-commerce, we help small businesses like yours succeed. Go to Infusionsoft.com slash radio to watch a free product demo. That's Infusionsoft.com slash radio. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. 
Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Our host, Gordon Rudell, will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Fired Up with Gordon Rudell, on demand anytime, inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webmaster to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. <laughs> Weren't those commercials swell? They just, they just knocked me off my, uh, off my script. Um, okay, <laughs> this is a tough one, Dave. We're, we're diving into tough territory. You know how I know? We're gonna how do you know? Because we're covering blog posts made at Google Webmaster Central and authored by John Mueller and Miley Oily. So I can tell you ahead of time, this is going to be some heady stuff, okay? All right. Um, you, you, you've, you, you've met Miley Oily before, right? You must I have, have met yeah. Miley. Yeah, wonderful person. Really, 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 really cool technician and um, scary smart. Like... I'm used to hanging out with smart people, but there's, you know, I, I consider myself pretty smart, but there's some people who just make you feel dumb when you're sitting beside them. <laughs> That's Miley. I mean, brilliant person. Anyway, her and John Mueller covered um, two issues that I, I think um, bedevil webmasters, but it's something that we got to think about moving into um, a new era of design. The first is infinite scroll sites. You know, like um, Google Images, Pinterest, BuzzFeed. You know, the ones, the sites that just go on and on and on. There's never any discernible end to them. You just go down to the bottom and more opens up, like, like your Facebook newsfeed does. Yep. Okay, that's an infinite scroll site. And they're not very search friendly. No. <laughs> the other one that I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll get to that next, is faceted navigation sites. A website that. Um, you know, say it's an e-commerce site and you're able to mix and match uh, color types or product types or, or sizes or what have you. So you're looking at a sweater, but you could create a web, a web page for an extra large green sweater or an extra small orange sweater. Well, there's four different websites in that variety of choices and colors I just outlined. Yeah. Google might perceive four different websites, and it might perceive a whole lot of duplicate content if you don't do it right. So, infinite scroll and faceted navigation sites were covered again by, by John Mueller and Miley Oily, and uh, recently at um, Google Webmaster Central. And I want to touch on both of them because they, um, you know, they gave some really good tips on how to uh, on, on how to how, how, 
how to deal with crawling issues around these these two sites. Let's start with Infinite Scroll. Did, did you have a chance to look at uh, at these blogs? I did. Yeah, you you sent them through. I've only had a chance to scan the Infinite Scroll. Uh, I already have my my opinions, and and then I just sort of looked at, at some of the examples and stuff like that, and went, you know, well, as you can, you know, you hit this this sort of point, you go, ah, got it, yeah, that's kind of bright, uh, you know, again, not surprising because of the uh, of the source of it. Um, I think the navigation issues are. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll get into those in, in just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me introduce the problem first, okay? So you got this infinite scroll site, and uh, again, if you move all the way to the bottom, the uh, the bottom of your browser, the browser detects it and loads a whole bunch more content. Scroll down mm-hmm. to the bottom, browser detects where you are, loads a whole bunch more content. Now that's really cool if you were a human, if you're you know follow if you're following the the a conversation that way. But it doesn't work if you're a spider because the spiders just can't emulate human behavior like that. Right. You know, it's the spider isn't actually scrolling down the page like you are using your, your mouse scroll or using the uh, scroll bar on the side of the page. The spider is just reading everything that is presented to it in the, in co- in the code it comes across. So what are you going to do if you're a webmaster and you, you're, you're working for a company that has infinite scroll and you want you know you want to get a little bit of long tail goodness, so you want something that was posted say yesterday to have a rank on, rank to it. Yep. Well, it all comes down to how you paginate pages in um, based on what appears on the screen. Now it's hard to it's very hard to explain with graphic examples over the radio. So I'd like to refer listeners to uh, Google Webmaster Central dot blogspot dot dot com slash twenty fourteen slash o two. There was only a couple things that have been put up recently in in the month of February over at uh, Google Webmaster Central. This one's called Infinite Scroll Search Friendly Recommendations, and there's five major recommendations that uh, that they make. Number one, think about what your website, how your website will appear if you disable JavaScript. It would be, well, you would have discernible sections of your site um, that, that, you know, that, 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 would, your, that would appear on, the, on your monitor if you disable JavaScript. Almost like page one, page two, page three, page four. Yep. So, Figure out where the break is. Say you were able to get like six articles or six items in before the page break. That's page one. You're able to get six more articles in. That's page two. You're able to get six more articles in. That would be page three. Because now you have to determine how much content you're including in every one of your pages. And again, the, the, the rule of thumb mentioned in the blog post and common sense is what do you see on the screen? without having to scroll, without having to force the browser to reload more, more information. Divide that content up so there's no overlap in between URLs. You know, and now you've got to think in terms of, of making like a sitemap. Okay? Yeah. You don't want to be mentioning the same content twice in your, in your, in your pagination. Structure URLs for infinite uh, for infinite scroll search engine processing. Um, 
Oh my goodness! Try to try to condense this into five minutes. Yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, folks, go read this. Go read this blog post. Um, I'm, we're just gonna we're just gonna cover the major bits because you can get it. We can get into like little. As I'm as I'm talking, I'm as I'm, I'm critiquing the article in my head and saying, "Well, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it this way." <laughs> um, which, you know what, I mean, and you bring up a good point, is that there's always more than one way to skin a cat, which is a, a horrible analogy, but there we go. Uh, <laughs> but, but, again, if Miley tells me that this is exactly what Google wants, I, I, I trust this voice. Yeah, just shut up and drink the Kool-Aid, Jim. <laughs> she's not saying don't make an infinite scroll page. She's just saying here's how we best wish to read it. You know? A valid um, point. Yeah, and besides, it's Miley. You've talked to her. She's yeah. telling the truth. You know it. You just know it. Um, okay, so URL structure is is quite important. Um, each component page contains a full URL. Google recommends full URLs in this situation to minimize potential for configuration error. I can tell that anyone listening will have no idea what I'm talking about. Go read the go read the blog post. Um. It'll it'll help uh, a lot more of your content get uh, spidered, and I almost wish we didn't take this on, or that we'd we'd rehearse this segment before uh, going there. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're I mean you're you're totally right. And the thing is is um, what we're going to need, and, and the article itself is listed under the advanced. So for those listeners who are not up for like a a big challenge um, coming up here, you know it is a, a exercise to pass to a very experienced developer. Um, you know, because there there is some some highly complicated things here, and you'd pointed out while you were reading through, um, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it this way. You know, yeah, you got to you need to take these things, or at least I do. I take them. I go, okay, what is it you're trying to tell me? Yes, you're giving technical examples, but I may use a different technology. I may have a different server type. I may be in a CMS that has restrictions. Um, but you need to take the point of what they're trying to do and duplicate the end, you know, understanding what the end result that they're trying to provide is. Um, and I think the best thing is, yeah, if you're dealing with infinite scroll or if you plan or you're thinking, hey, this might be a cool thing to add to my site, this is mandatory reading. Absolutely. Also mandatory reading, and there's no way we can uh, slice and dice this one up into a, a small 10-minute segment. <laughs> Excuse me. Is how you deal with a page, a, fa- a fasted navigation page. One that um, presents the user with ways to filter their own page experience. Um, I gave you the example of an e-commerce site selling sweaters a few moments ago. Where you could have you know an orange an orange extra large or a green small or however I phrase that, yeah. Um, Google Google Bot is well unable. Well, it doesn't trigger the Java that will reload um, more content on an infinite scroll page. It is able to fill out simple forms, and so in fact, you can set up an infinite loop for Google Bot on sites that allow people to allow users to filter their content and create a new page based on um, you know based on their style or size choices based on uh, their taste or whatever um, an example uh, Miley uses in her blog post is gummy candies 
Some are sour, some are fruit jelly, some are gluten-free, some are regular, some are you know, large bags, small bags. And if you put this all on one page, you're, given, you're giving Googlebot a nearly endless series of options as it fills in the form in different combinations in different ways. And mm-hmm. this sort of sends it into this like infinite information loop. Dupe content central, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've even seen, and I'm sure you have too, just examples where it's built as a hyperlink right on the page, right? Like you click and it's like order by price, order by size, order by whatever, um, you know, popularity. And it's actually hyper, you're actually sending them to what is, to their point, a brand new page of exactly the same content just reordered. Oh, again, yeah. So you're either sending them to them or you're just allowing Google to create pages, you know, it's filling in a form, it's drawing new information. It's filling in a form, it's drawing new information. It's filling in a form, it's drawing new information. As far as Google's concerned, these are all new pages. Yeah. Except it's all got the same information, relative information on it. And so it, it's, instead of duplicate content, they're calling it duplica- duplicative content. That's very right. cool. Duplicative yeah. rather than duplicate. Um, Google Webmaster Central blogspot dot com twenty fourteen oh two. So this is in the feb in February. Under advanced faceted navigation, she gives um, five best and five worst examples of how to set up the URL and the click path, the uh, the user funnel, um, how to structure your URLs so that. Um, you're informing Google that it's going after a spe- that it's um, filling out a form about a specific product, and no matter what it does in on this page, it's always generating something information about a specific product. Uh, product. Um, what else does she cover here? It's funny. I, I have a question for you, Jim. Would you put this like it's it's listed there in advanced? Okay. Knowing the fixes, I'm sure you do. Like I, you know, you know the common fixes that you would do to address this problem. We've all dealt with it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about all of our listeners, but I, I'm sure you've dealt with it many times. I've dealt with it a number of times. Um, would you qualify this as advanced, like understanding what's necessary to fix it in common systems? Let's go with like decent <sighs> CMSs. Um, would you actually qualify? Like, I, and I only say that for our listeners' benefit. In to me, this is one that, as long as you have a strong understanding, I'd put it more in the like moderate um, category. You have to have a strong understanding of SEO. You have to have a strong understanding of code. Um, but I wouldn't put it in the same category as um, you know the the infinite scroll issues. I think this is something that most experienced webmasters could, uh, as long as you read through, you understand the issue, you understand what the fix is. Um, I think a lot of our listeners could probably address it even without high-end um, coding skills. I don't think you need high-end coding skills to address it. Is it advanced? Yes, I do think it's advanced. Uh, it's advanced web mastering. Um, you mentioned a decent CMS. I think most decent content management systems um, help you avoid this problem. And I think this article is directed to... Um, people who develop content management systems, people who do security programming in the background. Um, I often bring up this very large WordPress network that uh, my company is responsible for, as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, WordPress is currently the dominant content management system out on on the web. There's people developing security uh, software for WordPress left, right, and center. This is the kind of stuff 
that they need to read. This is the kind of stuff that Joost de Valk's team needs to read so that they can make the decent CMS tools, plugins, um, add-ons, whatever you want to call them, that keep us that keep us as webmasters out of these problems. Or this is what your your SEO needs to know. Yeah. This is the kind of information. And um, I know SEO on on the surface seems to be getting easier and easier and easier by the day. But you know, let's uh, let's face it. There's advanced knowledge that's necessary, and this is an example of it. Good point. And you know, I'm, I am saying that, of course, because I like to well represent the industry well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, and you do bring up a, a very valid point because there is this um, sort of belief, you know, in in part because of some of the changes Google's made, um, that SEO is getting easier and easier and easier. Um, I'm sure you know we we can chat about that a little bit later in the show because uh, I think Danny Sullivan did a. The, you know, had some interesting points on it um, that we can chat about. But um, I think at the end of the day, um, has it really? Like, I, I reflect back on what my life is is like now, and the, and the to do lists, and what we have to look at versus. Well, you remember the, the the sort of cowboy mentality I had back in like two thousand two thousand one doing affiliate marketing. Right? Well, I mean, moved. it's affiliate marketing, so it was a different thing. But <laughs> um, you know, was and, a lot easier then. It was yeah, much, well, much easier back then. That's that's the thing. Um, I think it's the the barrier to entry though, because of a lot of the content management systems is far lower. You don't need the same. You know, we weren't we were coding. <laughs> like I was, I was building HTML pages with includes and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now it's all kind of built for you. So yeah, the barrier to get a site up is much lower. Um, you know, at the same time, the competition's much fiercer. So yeah, stuff like this comes in. You go right. This is why. This is why you pay us. <laughs> and this is you know what separates for for one of a better analogy. This is what separates the wheat from the chaff. It's um, quite easy to get into the industry, sir. Um, I can call myself a psycho. Uh, a, uh, I can call myself a mental health counselor tomorrow by hanging a shingle outside my door. In the province of Ontario, you don't need any certification whatsoever. Same with being an SEO in the in the province of the internet, you don't need any certification whatsoever. But um, if I was to hang a shingle out saying I was a mental health health counselor, there's a bunch of stuff I'd need to know, or I would be doing harm to people. Right. <laughs> Similarly. If you're calling yourself an SEO and you're accepting dollars from people, um, use some sense. There's some stuff you need to know where you're probably doing harm. Yeah, and please stop emailing me. <laughs> Indeed, eh? In, 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 in poorly crafted sentences telling me you can help me. Please stop. <laughs> or mark it you to your natural language. They probably you need your help. Okay, yeah. I think that's a hint. I can hear a commercial playing in the background. We're going a little bit over time here, so on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Got another segment coming up, but before we do, we have these swell commercials. So Webcology, coming back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching a final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! 
How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Vita, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Affiliate marketing today. Since 2004, the best source for affiliate marketing news, views, and education. Your source for getting the most out of your affiliate marketing strategies. Affiliate marketing. Marketing today on demand anytime inside the affiliate marketing channel only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And, uh, well, a small controversy was kicked off the other day by a fellow named Joshua Benton. Joshua Benton, writing over at the Neiman, over at NeimanLab.org, wrote an article, four headlines that will restore your flagging faith in journalism. You want to know what those four headlines were, Dave? Uh, I am, I'm excited. Well, you won't believe how excited you might be after hearing these four headlines. One of them. A kid came up to her in the hall and told her she had saved his life. He wasn't the only one in tears. That's headline number one. Headline number two. Having a bad day? Here are 46 powerful things you should really hear. Okay. Headline number two. Headline number three. A firefighter went to put out a fire, but he had no idea he would be a hero of a very different kind. That's headline number three. <laughs> headline number four. Clear your next 10 minutes because this video could change how happy you are with your entire week. Four headlines that restore your faith in journalism. Okay, so um, I think just about anybody who has a journalistic background is having a problem with a heaving stomach right now. I know I am. <laughs> but that's normal. I live on the internet. <laughs> I'm used to it. Um <laughs> 
somebody who has a background in journalism and took a, well, some serious issue to um, the idea that those kind of headlines represent journalism was Danny Sullivan, um, one of the founders of our industry. And let me take a step back. The, uh, the Josh Benton's piece that he published the other day for headlines that will restore your flagging faith in journalism suggested that because sites like Upworthy or BuzzFeed or whatever are drawing mega clicks, mega traffic, and, you know, and the Huffington Post is another example, they draw major traffic. And, you know, once in a while they actually even report the news that this rate of traffic shows, and, and most, of, most of these headlines are, are built for social media rather than for, uh, than, rather than search. Because trust me, there's nothing in, in a headline that reads, um, having a bad day, here are 46 powerful things you should really hear, that is going to trigger anything about, um, you know, say depression on a, in, a, in a search result. Um, anyway, the suggestion was that amount of traffic being driven by social media is, shows that journalism is alive and well and thriving in the social environment. Danny mm-hmm. Sullivan was like, what? Oh, and, oh, and, <laughs> and also the, uh, the, the, the implication of that is search beats, so, uh, social beats search and search is now dead. Which is about the point where Danny Sullivan went, what? <laughs> um... Danny Sullivan puts up a uh, tweet directly after reading the article. A mini comment rant on the whole search is dead and SEO is boring nonsense. Search and social go together, folks. Then he uh, linked to the article, which uh, made Joshua Benton, being a uh, you know a good social media um, social media focused journalist, he's used to sort of recycling the steam that comes off of his poop. Um, so he got an interview with Danny. Clever. Yep. <laughs> and, well, I, it's a very long interview, and I think it's absolutely worth, um, I think it's absolutely, absolutely worth the long read. It's over at NeimanLab.org. It was published yesterday. So go to NeimanLab.org, take a look at it. Um, the key thing that Danny said that I'm going to say twice because it's worth hearing and considering. We're producing journalism which is distributed through channels as opposed to publications. That's a fundamental change and key to understanding how to survive the change in the, in the media. Mm-hmm. We're producing journalism which is distributed through channels as opposed to publications. Now, I think most of us are used to um, writing for or reading Something out of the New York Times, the Toronto Star, the um, Seattle, the Seattle Times, um, uh, uh, the uh, L.A. Times, etc. A publication, yeah, something that's solid with parameters, like a walled garden. But on the internet, we're distributing to whoever's interested in a topic, in search, in um, basket weaving, in um, pro football. Whatever. So it's not like I'm going to ESPN.org just to seek out information on pro football. I'm either searching for it on a search engine or it's being recommended to me through social media. And then I find myself at ESPN.org. 
ESPN.com. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I'm not writing. So if I'm the writer, in fact, I might be published at ESPN, but I'm not really writing for ESPN. I'm writing for whatever channel ESPN is distributing that content in. That's where my audience is. It's important, an important uh, thing to think about, especially for people, most of us at this end of the industry consider ourselves publishers. You're a publisher, Dave. You've got the Beanstalk yep. blog. Yep. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, and I'm sure you are too, uh, sort of almost offended at the um, that part not the dead. I'm used to that. It's been dead since I joined the industry, I think, right? Like that, hey, SEO is dead. I, I think that happened as I was building my first site. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you probably that. scored some extremely cool uh, search traffic off of, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, what I find, just the idea uh, that it's boring, though, that's what caught me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Some people, that's their big complaint. SEO is boring. Well, like, it is tedious. Okay. It, it, it is tedious, and that's just, I mean, I guess my reply to those people would be, that's okay, step aside and let the adults work then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, architecture is boring. Drafting, boring. But it's, it's the stuff that's got to get done to build the building. Well, that's, that's the thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I found it all kind of silly. And, and, I mean, at the end of the day, the conversation doesn't come down to, you know, is and, and there's some great analogies, highly recommended read. I, I won't get into all of them from, from the article. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, when, when PPC was, was really growing, AdWords launched, you remember it. I mean, Google was an engine before AdWords launched. Um, you know, did AdWords kill SEO? No. Would I, mean, I tell that's... somebody who's ranking organically to stop with their AdWords? No, the pie is a little bigger now. So I'm glad take you brought that up as an example. I'm glad you brought that up as an example. I want. I. I. I I'm going to let you continue, but I want to make this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember what PPC actually did for organic search. Organic search was that kind of like weird pimply kid in the back of the in the back of the class until like something that you could really understand. PPC came along, and then suddenly search was sexy. PPC did that. Well, yeah, a, it gave us great keyword tools, too, <laughs> which, which was helpful, but you're right, and it really helped, like, I know it, it even helps me to this day, um, PPC is a great asset where I can go, okay, and your visitors are up this, and you're paying me this per month, that means you're paying X dollars per visitor over what you were paying, you know, a year ago before you hired me, so, you know, you've got a thousand visitors, and, you know, whatever, our rate was whatever thousand dollars just to make the math super easy okay you're paying a buck a visitor great now that user you know i'll call them a client can now put that into a context and go wow i'm paying 254 on adwords <laughs> okay there you go the, the uh, reason i said that though is that i people are saying social is killing search well, they also said PPC was going to kill search when in fact ppc ended up enhancing the whole concept of search yeah I'm going to suggest that, um, yeah, social does feel like it's got more energy in it right now than search does. It's sexy, it's new, it's more, it feels a lot more dynamic. And, you know, and let's face it, SEO is not a sexy career. It's a very tedious one. There's a lot of really tedious work we have to do throughout the day to, oh, yeah. you know, but it's the work that's got to get done. Yeah. Uh, I suggest that, Social is 
well, it's in, it's in its infancy, eh? And so we're still seeing infantile behavior there. Like these stupid headlines. It's incredibly non-descriptive. Here's the thing. A headline about that firefighter who didn't know what kind of hero he was really going to become. Mm-hmm. Had the headline read, Firefighter Saves Six Kittens. That's very descriptive. It describes the content in the article. Right. And it's far or in the video, and it's far more likely to get long tail a long tail win two and a half years from now than something with a totally nondescript title. Oh yeah, you're 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 completely right. And I mean Joshua has a great quote on that. It's easy to be put off by viral headlines even in the exact moment you're clicking them. <laughs> it's just like, yes, I've done that. We all have, right? It's like, oh, I gotta know. Even though you're just like, oh God, I hate, I hate that I'm clicking. I, I feel dirty clicking this now. Oh, and you goodness. know you're not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna be satisfied, right? At the end, you're just gonna, you know, feel dirty about it, feel gross. Yeah, and go, oh, I wish I could have that five minutes back. Yeah, you know what? That, you know what else that's like, right? What's that? <laughs> I don't know. Don't make me say it. It's like Swiss cheese. It's like Swiss cheese. <laughs> That's our, our new euphemism from uh, Think Reddit. Yeah, Think Reddit. That's our new euphemism. It's like, <laughs> uh, thanks, Reddit. Okay. Uh, um, we've done it. An hour's gone by. But we got a couple seconds. I hear that. I hear that hook music. We got a couple seconds. I want to remind listeners, next week we have a, not a special guest, we have a mega guest. We have broadcaster, advertising legend, Terry O'Reilly, here on Webcology, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m., 11 a.m. Pacific time, wherever you are in between. Listen live next week for Terry O'Reilly. Friends, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. But listen to Webcology at WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 13th of February. If you're living in the southern states, if you're living in the Pacific North or in the um, in the Northeast United States, stay safe, friends. It's going to be going to be a weird couple of hours. Anyway, we'll be here next week. Be well. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.